It's good to see you and to welcome you here this time. We are in a series on doctrine, and we will be in this series for uh, a little while. As you know, as we took about a year to go through the book of Exodus, uh, we don't get things done in a quick fashion around here, but we hopefully it will help you to understand some of the the great truths of our faith and why we believe what we believe. You know, the Bible says that there's going to come a time where people are going to be swayed by every wind of doctrine. In other words, someone's going to come along and say to you, well, this is what the Bible says. You're going to go, that sounds good, and you're going to get swept over here. And then someone else will say, well, this is what it says, and you're going to get swept over here. Much of what comes from that is what's called experiential theology. I experienced something, therefore it must be true. Rather than biblical theology, which looks at the Word of God and says, what does the Bible say? And that has to be our starting point in everything that we do. It has to be the guide that leads us down this road of truth. Because God gave us His Word, and He said, Thy Word, O Lord, is fixed in the heavens. It is eternal. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God abides forever. And so that truth needs to be well established in our heart and in our mind. Now, to quote that great theologian, philosopher, Bono, (laughs) religion is what you have when the Holy Spirit has left the room. We're talking about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit today. And a lot of times we function without the power, even if we have the presence in our heart of the Spirit of God. And while the Holy Spirit never technically leaves the room because He is God and He is omnipresent, He is all places at all times, His presence can increase or decrease in terms of our awareness of it. And so we always want to invite the Spirit of God and His presence to be here in great power. Our awareness of His presence to be increased. So we simply say, Holy Spirit, we really do need your presence. We need to know your power. We need to bask in who you are as a person of the Godhead. Now in this journey that we've been on, we've learned a few things along the way. We've reinforced some things along the way. Here's one of them. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. Have you heard that before? How many times have we quoted that, stated that, written that down, and looked around and said, you know, we don't know what all's going on, but God is doing something really unique, really powerful among us. When I see the things that that have happened over the course of the year, I have to look back and say, God, I never would have envisioned that we would be as far along as we are today. I never would have envisioned that we would be buying a building. I never would have envisioned that we would have multiple remote campuses around the world. I never would have envisioned that people's lives would have been radically transformed by the healing power of Jesus Christ as we've seen people really transform physically as cancer has been taken out of their system. I never thought we would see that. I didn't know that I would see the kind of commitment I see out of you. And some of you, your dedication, your commitment, you know, I clearly see in others, you're behind the scenes working and I know you're doing that and I just want to say thank you because it is a miracle of God. Also, we learned that the Spirit uh, 
prompts generosity in our life. The other thing we've seen over the course of this last year is the Holy Spirit of God has been the prompter in our hearts and said, we need to go in this direction, we need to do this. And so it's enabled us to, to be at a, at a, in a fairly strong place financially as a church. And I just want to say thank you to each one of you for the way that you've allowed the Spirit of God to prompt you and to, to give. And you know, individually there's not much we can do, but collectively when we put our hearts and our minds and we put our resources together, God can do some pretty amazing things. And there will come a time one day down the road, whether it's one year or five years, you'll look back on that moment and you'll say, I'm glad that I sacrificed. I'm glad that I was a part of what God was doing there and then. And I can see the track record of, of how the Holy Spirit was working in my life and in the life of our church. You know, and people who will come a year and two and three years down the road, they don't get that privilege. It's a privilege to birth a church. And sometimes you think, well, well how did I get in the middle of all of this? God brought us together for a reason. And I just want to say thank you for that. The other thing we've learned is that nothing is impossible with God. Sometimes I look and I go, God, I don't know what we're going to do in this situation, and God just comes through. I think part of the process is just this process of, of taking us down and out of the picture so God can just be more and more of our life. You know, that's how it is in our individual lives, isn't it? Sometimes you look at your life and you think, why is all this happening or why is it difficult? God likes to reduce us down so that He can really become our all and are all the heart of god what is the heart of god it is a generation he looks for a generation who's willing to put their lives on the line for what really really matters what really matters in your life if you take an inventory and say what really matters you're probably going to say god you're probably going to say your family you're probably going to say your health and you might say a couple other things but when it really comes down to it what really really matters in your life and if you take god and say god's working in my life really matters and how is he working and is he working are you allowing god to work you know the new testament is filled with men and women who exhibited a boldness and a confidence that could only be explained by the presence of the holy spirit of god our mission as a church is to influence the world and spread god's fame that many may believe that he is the christ the son of the living God. It's all about lifting God up. When we live and when we move, when we breathe in the power of the Holy Spirit, we infiltrate the realms of impossibility. I wish I could tell you some of the conversations I've had this week of with people who who just have lives have been changed, who've never even been to this church yet. One just came to Christ over a text message. After really just hours of dialogue on the part of a, of a close friend of his and in my entering into the scene in a last-minute kind of effort to, to try to minister and see people pray and receive Christ, and I'm going, God, you're doing something amazing here. We have witnessed miracles, we've seen His power, and we have known His provisions every step of the journey. Today I want to teach you something about the Holy Spirit. In the short time that we have, we're going to do the best we can to try to dig into some scriptures and open your hearts up. And throughout this series, we'll be talking about related subjects that interface with the work of the Holy Spirit, including His gifts and miracles and all those things as we go on this journey. 
But I want you to see, first of all, the Holy Spirit indwells believers. You see, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you're none of His. You don't know Him. You can't be a Christian apart from the Holy Spirit. When you yield your life to God, what you're doing is you're opening up your spiritual man, your heart, if you will, to the Spirit of God to indwell you, to transform you little by little, to shape you into the image of God Himself. Now let me show you how the Holy Spirit works as He ministers to us in this indwelling. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Listen to what Jesus says, If you love me, if I would ask any one of you on any given day, do you love Jesus? You would say, yes, I love Jesus. Jesus qualifies it in this way. If you love me, keep my commandments. What were his commandments? Well, we know what the Ten Commandments were, but his commandments were love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. He said everything could be reduced to that. You know that anytime I sin, anytime I get away from God, it's because I violate that idea of loving God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, or not loving my neighbors myself. I just stop loving God with all my heart. I stop loving my neighbor with all my heart. I stop loving myself with all my heart. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he said, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper or comforter that He may abide with you forever. Now notice what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes, He doesn't just come and go. It says He abides with you forever. So He never leaves you. You might step away from God. You might distance yourself from God because you're, you're kind of caught up in what you want to do, but the Holy Spirit of God never leaves you. It says He will abide with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. You see, how do you know truth? If you ever someone say, hey, I'm telling you the whole truth, well, that's their version of truth, right? I have my version of truth, you have your version of truth, but God has his version of truth, which is true. And he's talking about the spirit of truth. So what does the spirit of God do? He takes the word of God and he shows you truth. He shows you what's real. And it says, whom the world cannot receive. You know why the world doesn't receive the Spirit of God? Because they, they go, well, I don't know about that. You mean to tell me God's going to come and live in me? That's a little weird. You mean to tell me God is going to direct my course? That's a little weird. You mean I might not be able to do these things? I don't know if I like that. And so the world, speaking of people apart from God, they're going, I don't know if I want that kind of interfacing with God. It says, because it neither sees him or knows him but you know him because he dwells with you and he will be in you now notice this this is really an important part of john's gospel here jesus is saying the spirit of god is with you now with you but there's coming a time when he's going to be inside of you you see that that's what happened on the day of pentecost that was a fulfillment of scripture where the holy spirit would come to live in people permanently in dwell us so that we would be the temple of God. And we'll look at that scripture in a moment. So the Holy Spirit does what? He comforts us and he encourages us to stay the course. The journey may be difficult, but it will be worth it. Have you ever, you ever had those moments where you just said, I can't go on? That's when the Holy Spirit comes. He says, let me show you how you can go on. You ever have those moments when you're just so discouraged and so down? 
I was ministering to someone just a week ago, and, and he told me, he said, I am so down, so discouraged, so defeated, and this person's not a believer. And as I was ministering to him, I said, you know, this is all about coming in, in contact with God. This is about a relationship with God. And it was hard to compute, how does this really change? He said, well, my life get better if I pray and receive Christ. I said, no, it might get worse. I said, but you'll go to heaven and not hell. You see, sometimes we miss out on what God's doing. Now, I do believe that, that, that sometimes your life can be in a turmoil, but you know what? When you have the abiding Holy Spirit, what you do is you have a stability, you have a resource, you have a power, you have a presence that allows you to move through situations in a way that you never would apart from the Holy Spirit of God. He also guides us into all truth. You know what the enemy does? He tries to confuse us. He knows your weakness. He knows how to exploit it. Think about it like this. The enemy has been watching you your whole life. He's been watching your parents their whole life. And he goes back every generation. The enemy can say, look, I see the weakness in this family. I see the deficiency in character, in integrity. I see all of these things. I know exactly how to exploit it. Have you ever wondered, at just the right moment, you seem to get that urge, that thing that runs through your mind and just kind of moves you away from God? Have you ever wondered why it's just the timing is so perfect? It's not a coincidence. The truth of God, however, will allow you, so when a situation comes, your mind, because you filled yourself with the Word of God, you can say, no, wait a minute, Spirit of God, show me the right direction here in this matter. The Holy Spirit will guide in His Word so we can be free from deception. That word, that Greek word deception means to bait the hook. You ever gone fishing? I really don't care for it. It's in the camping world for me, you know. It's just like, why would I do that? There's a Marriott down the street. Um, but but the, uh, the whole idea, you, throw, you, you put a worm on a hook, right? And you, you, I mean, it's just a, a not a nice thing to do. And you take the thing, you throw it in the water, and then the fish comes along, and he goes, you know, this looks great. And he grabs it, thinking he's getting the worm. And then he's caught. That's deception. That's where the word came. Then you bring the fish in, and you're proud of yourself, because now you're eating something that eats worms. I mean, think about the big picture of this whole thing. This cycle of life is really odd, if you ask me. Well, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? Well, here's what, here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And notice what this power is going to do. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, until the end of the earth. You know what's interesting about the word witness? It's actually the word martus. It's where we get our word martyr. You ever been afraid to share your faith? Because someone may not like it, someone may not understand it, someone may persecute you, that's exactly what the Bible says will happen. You become a martyr. Sometimes people, they'll receive and they go, wow, that's really great, I'm glad you shared with me. Other times people say, what are you talking about? And it seems so odd, but he says, when you have the power of God, you will be a witness. In other words, you don't mind deflecting some bullets and some arrows. Because you know why? You believe in the power of the Spirit of God who's working in you and through you. And we'll look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? You know what happens when you become a Christian? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. 
You are a living, breathing temple of the living God. Look at Romans 8 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So what's the evidence that we we know him? It is the Spirit of God who is in us, who leads us. That's foreign to the world. The world can't receive that truth. The world wants proof about God, but is content to live by faith in all er other areas of life. I was talking to a a guy who's pretty scientific, and he believes in the Big Bang Theory. And I said, okay, that's a faith presupposition. You had to faith that. You can't, you can't prove that. You have to faith that. You have to start with that's how it happened, and this is my explanation. Because everything in life comes down to faith. What are you going to believe? You're going to believe faith in that or faith in something else? Let me show you something else. The world wants proof, but also, who wants a God they can't control? I kind of like to control things. How about you? Anybody can kind of control people? I, you know, I, I went into L.A. the other day, and as I was going in there, and you know how you, there's always emerging, right? And you're always trying to get over because you're totally convinced that if I change lanes, I'm going to get there faster. Anybody like that with, in here? I mean, I'm totally convinced that if I just move enough times, I'm going to get there. And then I'll, I feel so good about myself, and I get, I get closer to the city, and I look over, and there's the guy that I got in front of five miles back, and he's right next to me. And I just don't even want to know that. I, I don't want that. I, I want that control thing. I want to believe that I'm really making progress. And I realize there is no progress on the highway systems in California. Would you agree with me? There is no progress whatsoever. Well, I want you also to see the Holy Spirit of God teaches believers. John 14, verses 25 and 26. Now, Jesus is taking the disciples. Remember, these are the words that he's telling them. I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit. So we're trying to show you just how he took systematically the disciples through this ministry of teaching. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Okay, now who's who's your teacher ultimately? Well, I'm a teacher. You might have other people who teach you, but ultimately, who's the teacher? The Holy Spirit of God is your teacher. He will teach you all things, um, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. How did they know and remember what Jesus said? The Bible says the Holy Spirit brought it back to their memory. Now, how does he teach us? He teaches us by the Word of God. He also teaches us by correction, by correction. When I was uh, living in New Orleans, when we were first uh, married, I taught at a seminary that um, was called Union Baptist Seminary. And a lot of the young guys would get up. I was about their age, actually. A lot of the young guys would get up, and, and they would preach. And this one guy was talking about tribulation and how God brings sometimes correction in our life. And he said this. He says, when God sends tribulation, he expects people to tribulate. Now think about that. When God brings things in, he wants it to have an effect in your life. Because what it does is it course corrects you. That's how the Holy Spirit works sometimes. He also works by love. First John chapter, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. You know what the Spirit of God does? He opens your heart up to love. He, he allows you to minister love, and he ministers love back to you. And whenever you find yourself in a situation where it doesn't feel like you're ministering love, 
just check your heart on the Spirit of God because probably what you're doing is you're functioning outside of the Spirit and you're functioning within your own flesh. Because the Spirit of God is always going to move you in the direction of love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. It's always going to work that way. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Now, we labeled this sermon, we called this sermon, Who is the Ghost? And a lot of people say, why is he called the Holy Ghost? In some Bibles, and he's called the Holy Spirit in others. And, you know, quite honestly, I really had never thought about it. I just figured it was a matter of translation, and somewhere along the line, somebody thought, you know, ghost sounds like a pretty good thing, but it's a little frightening, isn't it? You know, the Holy Ghost. Because in my mind, I always think of like Casper. Well, you know, Holy Ghost, what is that like? I mean, what's, what, does he just move around? It's kind of scary, spooky. Kids kind of get weirded out about it. And so I, I go back and I do a little research, and I find out the first time they started translating the word pneuma, which is spirit, into ghost was in the 1300s. And by the time, and there was a reason for it, by the time it got to the 1600s, the King James Bible, it is pretty well set. So in the King James Bible, 90 times does it say the Holy Ghost, And only nine times does it say the Holy Spirit. But it was for a purpose. It was the Holy Ghost was used when they translated. They wanted to know this is the third person of the Trinity. This is God, a very God. And then when it was the Spirit of the Lord or your spirit, they would would use the word spirit. And so you could draw the distinction between the two. Today, modern translations, what they do is they don't use the word ghost. They just capitalize the word spirit to help you know. It's exactly the same thing. It was just a functional tool to help a person understand what was being said in the Scripture. But notice what it says here. So his spirit bears witness with our spirit. So you have a human spirit. You're created in the likeness of God, body, soul, and spirit. And so, as you think about it, your human spirit has to relate to God's Holy Spirit. So in your human spirit, the Bible says in Ephesians, it's dead in trespasses and in sins when we don't know God. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He turns that light on, He quickens your spirit alive, so you can become a receiver of God's Spirit, and you can become the temple of the living God, And you can minister in the power of the Holy Spirit of God as you allow him to work in and through your life. So it says, bears witness with our spirit. You ever been sitting in a restaurant and you just have one of those feelings like, I think that person's a Christian? You don't even have any reason why. Or you come around somebody and go, I think they might know God. And sure enough, before it's all over, you find out they do. That is your spirit bearing witness with the Holy Spirit and confirming the fellowship in the spirit with someone else. And you begin to see how the ministry of this, of this spiritual world we live in is so interconnected. So it says, it bears witness that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we also may be glorified with him. And do you notice the doctrine of suffering there? I mean, I don't really like that. How about you? I like the, I like the idea of the doctrine of glorification. I like the doctrine of the blessings of God and the favor of God. But he says, here's what's going to happen. In this world, you're going to have some difficulty. The stronger you live for Jesus Christ, you can expect you're going to take some hits along the way. Somebody's not going to understand it. Somebody's not going to relate to it. I was in a a restaurant not too long ago with uh, a couple of people, and I was ministering to one of them. And as we were talking about God and and there's the restaurants full it's kind of you know not like a fancy restaurant just kind of a place where a lot of people gather get a a good meal for a fairly reasonable price 
And uh, we stood up and I said, would you like to pray And to the guy who wasn't a Christian? And he looked at me and he literally fell into my arms. And we stood there in a public restaurant and prayed, three of us. I don't know what anybody thought. Quite honestly, at that moment, I didn't really care. We're ministering Jesus to people. I wonder how many people in that situation weren't totally committed to Christ but were Christians and they looked at it and thought, I should be doing that. I wonder how many people who were Christians who were sold out to God thinking, I can do that. You never know the effect that you can have on someone. I was at a restaurant uh, probably a year ago and I was there with my wife and another couple and we just paused and prayed before our meal which I always do. And I, you know, it's probably more routine than it is decision. I just, just want to give thanks for what I have here. I get an email about a week later. Someone said, I saw you in a restaurant and I noticed you prayed. I was glad to see that you live out what you believe. I thought, people are watching me pray? As long as they're not watching me eat, I'm good, right? <laughs> do you know that you bear the testimony of Jesus in your life? Everywhere you go, people are watching to see how you will act and react, what you will say and what you won't say, and how you respond in every situation. Sometimes you get it right, and sometimes you don't. But just keep moving forward in that Christ-like life. John chapter 12, Jesus said his disciples did not understand these things at first. You ever had that experience with the Bible? You read it and you go, I don't, what is going on? They didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, death, burial, resurrection, glorification, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So the Holy Spirit's bringing back to our memory. But the Holy Spirit also glorifies Jesus. Look at John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. When he, the Holy Spirit of truth, remember, never refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He is a person. He is a third person in the Godhead. When the Holy Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you. He's going to indwell you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. For He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify Me, and He will take what is Mine, and He will declare it to you. So what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to lift up Jesus. He's going to point the way to Jesus. There's a guy named Peter. You know him, the Apostle Peter. He was the one that was always kind of changing, you know, opening his mouth to change feet. He was the one that Jesus said, you're going to deny me? He said, I'll never deny you. And what did he do? He denied him. He was the most unlikely guy, and yet he was for God to use, and yet God used him on the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, to stand up and say, men of Israel, listen, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And when they heard that message, they said, what shall we do? And and he said, repent and turn unto God. And then when you go to the next chapter, chapter 3, look what he says, repent therefore and be converted. You know what the word repent means? It means I'm going this way and all of a sudden I come face to face with truth and I said, I can't go that way anymore. Let me ask you something. What area of your life are you going the wrong direction? In your thinking, in your attitude, in your behavior. And you have to stop and say, wait a minute, I need to turn around and I need to go the other way. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. 
My wife had just finished cleaning the house yesterday. I haven't even told her this. She's teaching students now, so she won't find out unless you rat me out. (laughs) She had just finished cleaning the house, and I had just made an iced tea. And I set it on the floor because I didn't want to get a ring on the table, and I was too lazy to go get a coaster. Have you ever been there? I'm driven by laziness sometimes, you know. And so I set it on, the, and then I, so I get up, I un- unplug a cord, and I walk around, and I think, yeah, I've got to remember that's there. And I come back, and what's the first thing I do? I kick that iced tea all the way across the room. And all I could say was, thank you, Jesus. I really don't remember what I said, but I think it was something like, darn, that was a mess. And then I went and got a towel. You know what I did? I started blotting. You know, and and then I laid it on the floor and I stepped on it. You ever done that? That's the super blot. The super blot. I put my 200 and none of your business pounds on that towel. And I start doing the super blot. And I get all that out of there, you know, and I pick up the towel and guess what? There's the iced tea. It's here and it's not there. You know what God does with your sins? He lays down that divine towel, if you will. And he does the super blot. And he takes everything that's in your life that shouldn't be there and all those stains and he pulls it out of your life and he puts it on his towel. And it says here that your sins may be blotted out. You know when your sins, when you feel forgiven, when you are forgiven, you know what happens? Look what it says. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. To feel clean and forgiven. What a great thing that is. That he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. He simply tells us here, repent and be converted. Repent and be converted. He tells that times of refreshings will come from the presence of the Lord. When you enter into the presence of God, and I just invite you to do this throughout your day. It's just... I just want to walk in the presence, your presence, God. I want to know your presence. Even now as I'm speaking, you can speak those words and just invite the Spirit of God, His presence, to be here with you. Do you need need a time of refreshing? Do you need to be lifted up? Do you feel stale? Do you need a fresh dose of power from on high? The Bible says allow Him just to blot the stuff out of your life. And then times of restoration. God is in the business of restoration. He can transform your hurt and your pain into power and victory. He can restore the years that all the, the, all the years that the locusts have eaten, how they've taken away from you little here and little there. And sometimes it just leaves you with a hole in your heart. You go, how do I fill that hole, God? He goes, I can fill that hole. But God, I've been working for years to feel, fill that hole. I can fill that hole in an instant if you'll let me. You just keep trying to do it in your own power, in your own strength, in your own way. Let me do that. Times of restoration. God is going to work. One of the intriguing people in history for me is a guy by the name of Evan Roberts. He was a coal miner in Swansea in South Wales. He wasn't an eloquent man at all. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that a lot of people thought was a bit odd. And yet he began to pray, began to pray, and and God gave him this unique vision. He said, I believe 100,000 souls are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ in Wales. And everybody thought he was crazy. 
He started preaching to the miners there in that, that coal town of Swansea. The miners started listening to his message. They started wondering about what he had to say, and, and one by one they started coming to faith in Christ. And then there seemed to be an atmospheric presence of God on Wales. The year was 1904. Now, Evan Roberts was not a trained minister at all. He had no background what to speak of at all. He was simply a miner who took the Word of God and believed the Word of God and walked in the power of the Spirit of God. And that little movement in that little town of Swansea began to have a ripple effect throughout Wales. And in fact, so great was that ripple effect that even sailors coming in, having no knowledge of what was happening in Wales, fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and were converted. Very quickly within that first year, more than 100,000 had come to faith in Christ. And by the time 1906 had come, Wales was aflame with the power of God and it has spread into Europe and some estimate upwards of 500,000 people came to faith in Christ in the space of less than two years. He was an average man. He was average like you and me. He wasn't special. What was special was the Spirit of God in him. He had a very simple message and I want to give you the formula and here's what it was. First one was confess all known sin. Confess all known sin. The word confess means to agree with. Would you take right now and allow the Spirit of God to look into your heart and just one by one, what is it in my life that's sin? It might be an action. It might be an attitude. It might be something you've said, something you've done. A simple prayer like, Holy Spirit, would you just show me what I need to confess right now. It's probably hidden. It's probably not something you talk about. It's probably something that gnaws away at you when no one else is around and you go to God and go, here I am, God, I'm doing it again. Confess all known sin. And then he said, secondly, deal with and get rid of any doubtful, anything doubtful in your life. If you doubt the Word of God is true, get, the, get that out of your life and just believe the Word of God is true. If you doubt if God is working in your life, get that out of your life. If you doubt there's a future and God has a good plan for you, get that out of your life. Rid yourself of all doubt. Confess, rid. And then be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. If you find yourself walking out to the parking lot today and you see someone and God prompts you to speak to them about their eternal life, obey the Holy Spirit. If you find yourself in a situation and God says you need to meet the need in this person's life or you need to give to this or give to that, respond instantly to the Holy Spirit of God. If the Holy Spirit of God says to you, read the Word of God, don't put it off. Stop, read the Word of God. When I've tried to live my life in this instant obedience, I've had many times where I'm driving down the road and the Spirit of God says, read the Word of God, and I say, I'm driving, and the Holy Spirit will say to me, there is space on the side of the road to pull over. And I'll pull over, and I'll find myself literally pulling up Scripture on my phone, reading the Word of God, because I'm trying to be instantly obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. 
And then, fourth thing, he says, confess Christ publicly. There's something happens when you tell someone that you love Jesus. There's something happens when you speak the name of Jesus and you're not ashamed and you stand up tall and you say, I know Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. There's something that, that happens when you act, God acts. When you step forward, God steps forward. God always honors the one who honors Him. If you confess me before men, Jesus said, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Step forward. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. He made it very simple. We make it very complicated. Very simple. Love Jesus, do what he says. Love Jesus, speak his name. Love Jesus, walk in the power of God. Rid yourself of sin and live in the power of Almighty God. Let God's presence be all over you. Do not be content with Christianity as you know it. I want a New Testament version. I want to walk in the power of God. I want to walk in the Spirit of God. Sometimes we get in this routine of just going to church and going through the motions. Throw off that anchor. It's not worth it. It's got to be about loving Jesus with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Let me give you a couple of life applications. First one comes in the form of a question. Have you been born again? I was talking to a Catholic friend the other day and we were talking about born again. And I said, well, have you been born again? And, and he said to me, well, I'm Catholic. And I said, well, you've got a Catholic Bible, don't you? And he says, yeah. And I said, well, just read it to John chapter 3. It says you must be born again. This is not Catholic Protestant. This is Jesus. You see, the great thing about it is when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's all about just knowing Him. And I guarantee you when we get to heaven, there's not going to be different categories for people. There's not going to be the Presbyterians over there and Baptists over there and Catholics over there. There's going to be just one name on all of us, and that is we were bought with the price, the blood of the Lamb of the living God who died, was buried, and rose from the dead to give us eternal life. Amen and amen. And then the second question is this one. Are you yielded to the Spirit of God right now? Can you say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you everything. Everything. I just give it to you. Move in my heart. Move in my life. Take me where you will. Direct me where you will. I'm yours. I'm yours. I believe that's where God wants us all to be. I believe that's where He wants us as a church to be yielded to him let's pray together would you stand with me father as we pray as we prepare our hearts now uh, to sing and to examine uh, just what the spirit of god is saying to us in our hearts i pray god that we can take that simple formula that evan roberts used that really was was the catalyst for the birthing of that great revival in Wales. God, that I would and we would repent. Anything that we're doing, God, that is contrary to the will and the word of God, we would just get rid of that. That we would put away every doubtful thing in our life. We would just say, I believe God. I don't know how God's working, what God's doing. I just simply believe God. 
that we would confess Christ publicly. God, I just pray for a spirit of of your heart to move among us, your presence to be here in a powerful way. And God, as we sing, God, we sing to you, God, as a as a just an offering of ourself. That you would make us into the people you want us to be. You would make us into the church that you need us to be, God. That the explanation of who we are and what we do, God, is all about you. And God, that you would take and right now just blot out anything from a person's life that feels like they've not yet yielded, that, that's holding them back, that's keeping them from walking the fullness. Do you have something right now that you want God to blot out? Just ask Him. Just ask Him to take that towel and just step on it and get all the stain out of your life so you're clean. That you can put away all every doubtful thing. You can walk in fullness and power. If you've not received Christ, would you do that today? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I want to believe on you. Forgive me of my sins. I confess you before the Father. I believe you died, buried, and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Save me, Lord Jesus, I pray. That's your prayer. Just honor him with a heart of gratitude and faith. Every doubtful thing, just cast it away. Every sinful thing, cast it away. Ask God to fill you with faith, with power from on high. Ask God for a personal revival in your own life that can spread to your family and to your community, to this church and to this world. But let it begin with you. God, revive me. Renew me. Bring times of refreshing to me, Holy Spirit of God. Minister to me right now, I pray. One by one, would you just offer yourself to him? Here I am, God. Here I am. Take me. Look deep. Every known sin I confess. minister now to me, God, and let the commitment of my heart be before you.